as we begin to step into this new dimension and are stepping into a new dimension of light um, and the promise of the Father, you know, it takes a, let me just encourage you this morning. It takes a lot of boldness to come in here and stand right now in the midst of this place. And the stronghold, it's been a stronghold of the enemy for probably all the way back when Adam and Eve gave up their right in the garden. What you stand in today and what you stand in with the Lord and as you stand with Him, I've been so encouraged, and I don't say this lightly, with the prophetic word that has been made more sure concerning what God has spoken, concerning what he is going to do in this city. So don't think it's strange that, that some of our brothers and sisters are getting hit from every direction. Because God has a plan, and we don't base what we, what we know off of what we see. But we base it off of the very word of the Lord. And I want to share with you this because when we got here to Edenland and the Lord said what was lost in the fire and in the ashes will be recovered. Uh, When we went through his gates and we had that season together and we came through the gate and we came back into the city to establish a base of operations and that, you know, finding out that this was originally called Edenland, some of the encounters we've been having in this space, which is very challenging, was an issue of identity. The first, que- second question God asked Adam and Eve, he asked Adam particularly, but he asked him the second question was, who told you you were naked? Man has dealt with his identity issue in our fallen nature. When you move into what God has for you, the Lord is taking off of us what Scripture calls the garment of violence. He's taking off of us what we, what we were cloaked in so we could survive out there. This is a real stripping that happens in us when the layers of, and the exposure begins to happen in our soul. And it takes real courage. It takes real courage to allow the Lord to bring exposure. And you're courageous. Because the next first question God will ask Adam is, where are you? And we came into that event in this place. And I know, I know, because I know the way it rocked our family. I know that it rocks our families because... The Lord is saying, and we had that moment here of space. I had spatial disorientation like I'd never experienced. And Tom had his experience here. And this disorientation hits me. I was like, what, what is happening? He says, you must learn to integrate with me by light. And not just sound. So that you can be restored back. I'm going to tell you what's at stake here. Is the true restoration of husband and wife and family that have been out from family being brought together. That's what's at stake. What's at stake is the real true quality of family. 
And those who have been outside of the family brought into a family. And, and you know, the enemy doesn't care about a false expression of this. He'll let things go on with a false expression. But you get a real expression of the Lord happening. Then comes the health-related issues, the finance issues, the relationship issues. Anything to draw us off of our courage to allow the Lord to restore us to complete wholeness. Where we're in the cool of the day and he's walking among us and fellowshipping with us and we're fellowshipping with him. This restoration is coming on this nation and on the nations of the world. And yes, the darkness is trying to rise, but there's a restoration happening right now where God is restoring our families. And you will see a remnant that will rise all over the earth that will say we want Jesus and we thank you for the blood and we'll take everything that was purchased on Calvary for us. And man, we have to move all the way back to love what was originally founded in the garden uh, that Adam and Eve integrated with God by life. And so some years ago, I had heard the Lord say this to me. He said, I'm going to lay out for you these five structures and he said to me, both work and labor. And he said, now, the male works and the female labors. So both work and labor. Or brings forth this. And, and then I said, okay. And then he says to me, now go to the next level, both sow and reap. Okay? Both sow and reap. The male sows, the female reaps. Then he says to me, Go to the next dimension, neither toils nor spin. Remember this passage? He said, Solomon, all of his wisdom was not arrayed like one of these lilies. Neither sows, excuse me, neither toils nor spins. Neither toils nor spins. And I, and I thought, what an amazing thing to have happen when toil comes out of your heart no more. You work in the cool of the day, but you do not toil ever again through anxiety. And you don't try to make a show of anything, neither spins or tries to make something happen because God in the neither toils nor spin takes care of everything. And he said this to me. He said, man works to finish a place, but God places man in a finished work. Man works to finish a place. But God places man in a finished work. God finished the garden before he put Adam in it. He took care of everything for him. He let him work without any toil. So they neither toils nor spins. And this is called the lily dimension. And just recently, Kara had said to me, she said, I think the Lord's stepping us into the lily dimension. The place of light. And I said, man... I mean, if you, most of us, the way, and I have a sampling of who's in here, most of us have come up out of hard, most of us came up out of hard work. And then the Lord started to teach us to sow and to reap. But then think of the power of neither toils nor spins. Jesus said, my father's always working. Jesus raises the man on the Sabbath. He raises him off the ground and, and they come to him. And they said, you can't work on the Sabbath. He said, my father's always at work. 
Why? Because what the Lord is wanting to bless us with is a dimension of in faith where he says, I'll do everything for you. You can rest in me. I'll take care of everything for you. And you know, this is the craziest thing, but most people don't want that. And, I, and I'm shocked about it, but I've found this same resistance in my own heart where it's like, no, I'll do it myself. I'll make it happen on my own. And the Lord's like, no, let me do it for you. Let me take care of things for you. And this is called the lily dimension. Then I said, Lord, what could be greater than that? And he says, neither rogue nor rouge. And I said, man, neither rogue nor rouge. And he's neither male nor female. And he said, this is where this thing's going. Because I'm going to take in the soul and I'm going to, I'm both male and female. God is created us in his likeness and image. I'm going to restore the human soul. And I was like, is there something higher than that? And this would blow all your circuits, maybe. Because that, that, that place blew my circuits. And he says, Metopolis to me. Metapolis. And he said, the glorified man. My new wineskin will be glorified humanity. I will glorify man. But before the great glorification comes for us, and we put on the new wineskin... God is going to so heal the human heart and heal the human soul where both the male and female dimension within the soul will be at complete harmony and peace. There will be such peace within us and such rest in us. In the middle of a world going into complete chaos, we will enter in deeper and deeper and deeper into the rest of faith and deeper and deeper and deeper into the joy of our Father. So much that Revelation 12 says... They didn't love their lives to the death. And they kept the testimony of Jesus. And they said it was by the power of his blood that nothing, nothing will stop this move of God. Nothing will stop this remnant coming forth. No enemy, no devil can stop love. Because love, as Corinthians says, will never fail. The greatest human experience in the human heart is the love of God. And when we love one another, there is nothing that can compete with that. No, no devil in hell, no power on the earth can touch the love of God. And the Lord has taken all of our loyalties and checking them. He's taken all our relationships and checking them. He's taken all of, all of ourself and saying, take courage and love. Take courage and experience the love of God. Experience His love. Experience deeper, deeper baptisms of repentance. Deeper places of repentance for choosing ourselves and let it all go. Let the stripping happen. Let it happen in this last great, beautiful show that's coming on the earth. The Lord's coming back. And so I wanted us to, I'm going to read Psalms 45 and listen to this. Psalms 45, for the music director, according to the tune of lilies. <laughs> I saw this, I said, man, this is amazing. He set this psalm to the tune of the lilies. He set it to the lily dimension. He set it to the dimension of light. He said to the tune of the lilies, by the Korahites, a well-written Poem, a love song. Listen to this psalm that was written. 
My heart is stirred by a beautiful song. I say I have composed this special song for the king. My tongue is as a skilled as a stylus of an experienced scribe. You are the most handsome of all men. You speak in an impressive and fitting manner. For this reason, God grants you continual blessings. Strap your sword to your thigh, O warrior. Appear in your majestic splendor. Appear in your majesty and be victorious. Ride forth for the sake of what is right on behalf of justice. Then your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Y'all know I got to do this because this is just important, but you know, the right hand of God, who sits at the right hand, the Lord, he says, your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Do you know who is the son of the right hand? Do you know this in scripture? Who was the last born son of Jacob? Anybody? What's his name? Thank you. Benjamin. Jacob said this. Listen, Jacob says this. Rachel is in labor. This child that she's going to bear. The only child born in the land of promise, Benjamin. Rachel is on her deathbed. Because when she brings forth Benjamin, she's going to die. And when Benjamin comes forth, she calls him Benoni. Remember this? And remember what? Benoni means, do you remember? The word had me really study this because it's really important. Benoni means son of my sorrows. But Jacob says to her, he says to her, he says, no, he will not be called Benoni, but I will call him Benjamin. I will call him the son of my right hand. Do you know where that took place at? Do you know where she had Benjamin? Do you know what town it was in? Bethlehem. That's where she had that baby. They were on their way and they were traveling and they come up to this place called, I believe if I'm correct, it was called Padam Aram. Do you know what Padam Aram means? I love this. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I just love the Word of God. Padam Aram means ultimate upgrade. Do you know where they left from? They have been, he had experienced God at Bethel, which means what? I bet y'all know that one. House of God or the house Bethlehem means the house of bread. He leaves the house of God and he'll spend 20 years. He'll go through this journey and he'll go to El Bethel and El Bethel means El means God. Bethel means house of God. He experiences the God of the house of God. Jacob does. And after this experience of God of the house of God, right? 
And he had married two wives. He goes from Bethel. He goes on this journey to El Bethel. He has this experience with the wrestling with the Lord. Later on in his journey now, he will go to Padam Aram. But listen to this. This is so important that you catch this. That after he experiences the God who is above the house of God. Because one thing to be in God's house is another thing to experience the God who's above God's house. Then he goes to this place, Padan Aram, and it means, listen to this, ultimate upgrade. The Lord told me years ago, he said, you'll never get to Jerusalem if you don't pass through Bethlehem. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never make it to where we're at right now when the Lord is beginning to establish a capital center. You'll never make it here if you don't pass through Bethlehem. But Jacob, on his way from Bethel to El Bethel to Padan Aram, he receives an ultimate upgrade. And in between that and now, the ultimate upgrade will bring forth this son of his right hand. And listen, he had to make a choice right there. The only son born in the land of promise, Jacob had to make a choice right there that he would view Bethlehem as the place of sorrows. Or he would see it as the place of seatedness right next to a relationship with the father. And the interpretation could have been that this is the place of my greatest travesty. Instead, he chose to see it as the place where God would end up bringing forth the very son of God who would sit at the right hand of God. You see, what we learn there is, is that on this journey of life, that what appears sometimes to be the place of our greatest sorrow could be interpreted wrongly and is the very place. The very place that God has ordained to bring forth His greatest blessing. And if, if you've ever been to Bethlehem and you ever had to travel to this little nothing place and of course later on, right, Mike is going to pronounce this in Micah 5 which we've had imprinted onto this ministry from John Harris's word. And Micah 5, out of Bethlehem, Ephratah, will come forth this king, this ruler, who will end up being the very ruler who will have the right to govern all nations. Our king. But he had to be born in a place of obscurity. Rachel's looking at it as the place of her sorrow. Later, uh, before that, excuse me, later on, Ruth will show up there. You remember this story with Boaz? You remember this guy's name was Elimelech? Y'all remember that guy? Do you know what his name means? Listen to this. Elimelech's name means, this is at the end, at the beginning of Judges 1, at the end, excuse me, at the end of Judges and beginning of Ruth, Elimelech will show up in Bethlehem. And do you know what was happening to them? Do you know what was happening in Bethlehem to Elimelech? Raiders. They say even some of the the local tribesmen were coming in and stealing out of their granaries the produce that they were putting up agriculturally to take care of their families. And do you know what Elimelech did? The guy's name means my God is king. Eli Melech means my God is king. Do you know what he did? He said, I can't take this anymore because someone's taking from my economy. You know where he went with his two boys? This is all happens at Bethlehem. It's across the canon of Scripture. Elimelech goes down to where? 
He goes down to God's, what's called, God, God calls it his wash pot. He goes down to Moab. He goes down to a false system and loses his family there, his two sons. You know what happens to Limelech and his two sons? They both, they all what? Die. If you study Moab in the Hebrew, it's very closely, almost identical with the same Hebrew language that's used for Bethlehem. He leaves the house of bread that Joshua and all those men had given their lives for and spurns the inheritance of God and runs to Moab, who also God calls it his wash basin. But the name Moab is who's your daddy? Because it had come out of a name from Lot in his ancestral relationship with his daughters. Now listen, don't lose track with me. All this happened at Bethlehem. Remember, Jacob and Rachel, right? Rachel's going to die there, interpret this as sorrow. Jacob sees rightly and says, no, son of my right hand. Ruth is going to be there with Boaz. And Elimelech, her father-in-law, is going to... Well, it will be her father-in-law will end up dying. They'll find Ruth. Ruth will come back and she'll be in the middle of the field. But Boaz, who is will not spurn God's inheritance, will stay in the land of Bethlehem. Even when raiders are raiding their properties and taking their produce, he will not move out of God's provision for him because they had taken a place and he stayed there. And him and Ruth come together and they have a boy named what? Obed, do you know why I say this? Because we cannot forget. We can't forget. We can never forget what God has done for those who stay in the journey with him and believe that he is seated at the right hand of God right now. So look. There Ruth is. And that's a beautiful story. I'm sure you love Ruth, but I mean. I love Ruth, but you study that story. And what does she say to Naomi? You know, it was that was pronounced over mine and my wife's wedding. What she says Naomi is pronounced over my mom and dad's wedding. That one statement. I will go with you where you go. My people shall be your people and my God shall be your God. Oh, And she stayed with it in a land that she had no provision in. And God made a way for her where there seemed to be no way, right? And God comes to us in the midst of Bethlehem. Boaz doesn't capitulate to the pressure of losing his economy. He stays in the inheritance of the Lord. What happens next? Obed. And what happens next? Right? Jesse. And who comes next? The king, uh, David, the greatest king besides the Lord himself to ever grace this planet. The king comes forward out of that. This beautiful love story. Because they did not spurn the inheritance and they saw what God was attempting to do to weave the lilies in the midst of the thorns in the middle of the valley. They saw the lily of God. They saw what will be spoke of of the Korahites actually in in this earlier day that will sing this song called Psalms 45. You know, so for me, when I hear a son of my right hand and I'm just getting warmed up, that's what I hear. 
I hear God's faithful people who have traveled along this path and said, Thank you, God, for Bethel. We learned you in the house of God. But thank you, God, El Bethel, the God of the house of God. But thank you, Lord, for bringing me to Padan Aram. And I'll take the ultimate upgrade in the human soul to be loved by you. But, man, I'm going on to Bethlehem. And you get there and it's this, like, little place. Tight. There's no room later on where? In the inn. Where? In Bethlehem. This was brought up at our Christmas time this week with our family. Mary and Joseph could have been greatly offended with the Lord, my mom said. Greatly offended. They carry the very Son of God. The Lord can't trust power to us folks if He can't trust us in the small things. He can't. He can't. You know why? Because we would misuse it. We would use it for ourselves. We would take power and we would... We would in a hot flash second, use it for our own glory. And the Lord can't let that happen. He, he wants to see that our hearts are faithful and loyal to Him all the way. Right? Go down to Egypt, Joseph and Mary. Every since Mary was announced that she had a word from the Lord to bring forth the very Son of God, she is under threat. Why? Joseph, her own... Now, remember... The man who's from Bethlehem, who has a Judean background, the very man, Joseph, is a righteous man. And he has two options. He either can divorce her quietly. It's an embarrassment. Nobody had ever heard of such a thing, a virgin, a a baby born of a virgin. No one ever heard of such a thing. If anybody said that today, you know, you'd be like, for the love of Pete, (laughs) whatever. That don't make a lick of sense to me, right? It's a stigma. She bears it. Listen, divorce her quietly or the law says to stone her. What's Joseph going to do? All his buddies are like, you're supposed to be a righteous man. Are you not? You're supposed to stone her to death. He's like, well, I could just sneak off and act like I don't, I wasn't there. You know how that happens in relationships. People back out. They don't talk to you anymore. You ever had that happen for the sake of Jesus? Like you're saying, I'm going to follow you. And next thing you know, you lost your relationship with somebody. And you're like, I don't understand. Divorced quietly. <laughs> but no, this Gabriel comes and he announces himself to Joseph. And Joseph says, I'll stay with you and I'll call him my very own son. Do you know what it takes to be a man like that? Hey, if that's not enough, the baby comes forth in an inn. In where? Bethlehem. Because every place God, every time he's ever going to move on us, if he's going to move to change the world, he's going to move at Bethlehem. That's where the gold is. You know, you want to you wanna talk about building a house on sand or a rock. But then you want to talk about, did you build your work off of wood, hay, and stubble? Or did it, was it built off of precious stones, silver, and gold? You want the gold and you'll find it at Bethlehem. You'll find it in the place of obscurity. You'll find it in the place, you'll find it in the place where... Rachel died and Jacob saw 
You'll find it there when Elimelech moved out of his inheritance, but Ruth was brought back and Boaz didn't spurn the word of God and an inheritance come forth. You'll find him later on. I love this passage, Psalms 132. David will pronounce Bethlehem too. He said, we heard of it in Bethlehem Ephratah. We heard about it in the fields of the wood. And we said, let's go worship him at his footstool. Psalms 132. And you'll hear about it in Micah 5. You'll hear about it. And it says this king will arise out of Bethlehem Ephratah. And then you'll see him again. Now, here we are in Luke's gospel. At Bethlehem. And you know the journey of the human soul. We must take this journey with God. And we have. The Lord said to me, he said, you'll never get to Jerusalem if you don't pass through Bethlehem. Now, that seems kind of odd because Bethel is north, I think 20 miles or so north. I don't know the exact number of Jerusalem, but Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem. And so it's like he had to go down out of the way. He goes south of Jerusalem. Down to this little town Bethlehem so he can get back to where he belongs. And so you find sometimes in your path and our path that we don't take a direct route. But we have to take a route that looks like it's out of the way. Bethlehem's out of the way for everybody. The human soul doesn't want to go there. The human soul wants to be realized and identified and known. The human soul is saying... Hey, this is how I find myself and this is who I really am. And God says, no, go down to Bethlehem and I'll give you me. And a king begins to arise. The, the king that, we've, that we serve. And that's why we're in the position that we're in. That's why we're in this place like this. Because well, you decided, you've decided, I'll let the king who sits at the right hand of God govern me. And the Lord... The Lord will extend power out of his sanctuary to save this end time remnant. Now, I want you to be confident in this because, but I want to tell this story. So back, back to the text. Now I deviated on one verse. Now I can, I feel like I can do that on every verse, but I won't do it. I just do this all day. The exposition of God's word. (laughs) I love his word. You know, you do too, but. We love his word. And listen, so now, now let's just go back. Now listen, Psalms 45, 2, you are the most handsome of all men. You speak in an impressive and fitting manner. For this reason, God grants you continual blessing. Who does God grant the continual blessing to? The one who speaks in a fitting manner. Anyways, there's a whole teaching on that as well. (laughs) For this reason, God grants you continual blessings. Now, strap your sword on your thigh, O warrior. Appear in your majestic splendor. Appear in your majesty and be victorious. Ride forth for the sake of what is right on behalf of justice. Then your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Now, what do you think when you hear right hand? Benjamin, right? Son of my right hand. Bethlehem. 
See, it's in one, all that was in one verse. Then your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Your arrows are sharp and they will penetrate the hearts of the king's enemies. Nations will fall at your feet. Your throne, O God, is permanent. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of justice. You love justice and you hate evil. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy, elevating you above your companions. God's not, it's not madness, right basis, not sadness, left basis, gladness. God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness above everyone. All your garments are perfumed with myrrh, aloes, and cassia from the luxurious palaces comes the music of stringed instruments that make you happy. Princesses are among your honored guests. Your bride stands at your right hand wearing jewelry made from gold from Ophir. There's so much to say about Ophir. And I don't know if you know about that. But I did the math on this. Solomon set up trade to Ophir. His annual revenue out of Ophir was almost $1 billion off his trade vessels every year. Just the gold from Ophir they set up a trading vessel line with. The gold of Ophir. And he says, um, Listen, old princess, observe and pay attention. Forget your homeland and your family. Then the king will be attracted to your beauty. You know, Jesus will say, you know, unless you hate your father and mother and unless you hate them, I think that's a very strong language to use. You cannot be my disciple. He said, you must turn. You must turn from everything if it competes with the loyalty to me and you must follow me. You must love me more. And so this is a very interesting passage here because he says, hey, princess, observe and pay attention Forget your homeland and your family. Then the king will be attracted to your, by your beauty. After all, he is your master. Submit to him. I think some of you in here, I know some of you pretty well, but you've had to be challenged by that. Because the Lord begins to even tear at some of our family connections. Because he wants you, and he knows this, that when he gets all of you, he gets your family as well. You know, the thing that you care about the most about your family members, and you want to see them saved, or you want to see them restored, the best way is for you to be completely given over to Jesus. That's your best path. When you put him first, that's the best thing you could ever do for your family. If you want your family made right, you go after the Lord. You say... I don't know what's happened in my family and I don't know how to get my kids back. But I'll tell you one thing, if you'll go after Jesus and say, I'll let you do whatever you have to do with for me, the Lord will restore your family. You just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's saying that. uh, Now he goes on and says, rich people from Tyre will seek your favor by bringing a gift. Now that passage right there, I could do another sermon on. But Tyre will have to give up its fruit to you. 
Tyre will have, this is what they talk about, the wealth of the wicked being turned over to the righteous. But there is a whole, there's a whole exposition in scripture about Tyre. Lucifer himself is tied to the king of Tyre in Ezekiel chapter 28. It says that Tyre will have to turn over its goods to God's people. You remember this? Do you know who built David a house? Second Samuel chapter five. Do you know who built him a house? Do you know what his name was? Do you remember? No. It wasn't Zachariah. It was Hiram. King of what? Tyre. Hiram, king of Tyre, sent and built David a house. Do you know who built Solomon a house? The king of Tyre. Do you know who builds the king's houses? Do you know who will build your house? Do you know who will take care of? Tyre. There's a passage also. I, I was asking the word one day. I said, who's going to take care of all our family's needs? And Manny comes in, sits down on the bed with me and says, Daddy, the Holy Spirit gave me this word out of Isaiah. I mean, he has no idea. He says, I think it's Isaiah 28. I think it was 28. 15 or something. He gives me this word. and I, You'd have to check me on my reference. And I said, really? He gave you that? He said, yeah. And I opened it up and it says, Tyre will have to give up all their goods to, to, to you. <laughs> it says that they will, they will have to give you nice clothing and excellent food. Not the cheap stuff, but good food. Tyre will build your houses for you. Tyre will pay for your bills for you. Tyre will take care of your clothing for you. And a lot of the ladies really like that. And Tyre will take care of giving you, it says, really good food. It'll have to come out of their coffers. And the, the Lord shared this with me. He said, if you will stand with me, I will take Tyre. What Lucifer has plundered in the, in the, all over the earth through darkness. And I will have it turned over to my people. The, the Lord, it's right there in the word of God. So what does it say here in Psalms 45? It says, rich people from Tyre will seek your favor and bring you a gift. So he doesn't just give you. This was wild to me. The Lord's like, I'll take care of your health. And I'll have the people of Tyre bring you gifts. Some of you have experienced this. I'll have them uh, build you a house and pay for it for cash. I'll have Tyre come in and bring you all, uh, wherever you shop at, the nicest you can think of. I'll bring you the nicest, finest clothing. And I'll take care of all your food. I'll have Tyre have to turn everything over to my people. You know, that's a nice thing. I don't know if you go and work and try to make things happen every day. But when God says, if you do it my way, I'll turn it all over to you and you won't have to pay a dime for it and you won't even have to work for it. Man works to finish a place, but God places man in a finished work. So rich people from Tyre will seek your favor and bring you gifts. The princess looks absolutely magnificent. Decked out in pearls. And clothed in a brocade trimmed with gold. How many of our ladies in here are wearing an outfit that has gold trim in it, right? I mean, that's, that's a very, it, that would be expensive, I, I suppose, to sew gold into your fabric of your clothing. And decked out in pearls. Um, embroidered robe she's 
escorted to the king. Her attendants, the maidens of honor who follow her, are led before you. They're bubbling with joy as they walk in procession and enter the royal palace. Do you know why? Do you know why this must be said? Because this is the vision of God concerning us in this end time. This is the way we can be in this why am I building right now, but this is what will happen. You mark my words from this pulpit that this will be the characterization of our life when the Lord, when, as the Lord begins to break in and come back, this will be what you and I will observe. It will be like you are sitting in the uh, Westminster Abbey and the Queen of England is being coronated. You watch. It'll be like that in this land. It'll be like that in the lands of this earth. This will be the way that it will look. This is what is about to happen. A great wedding is coming and a great marriage supper of the Lamb is coming. See, for me, the Lord says, believe this now. It's not good enough for you not to actually agree with this word and believe that this is the characterization of who we are. You must believe it now. And that what that does is it makes you You can't go grasp at power, but in humility, God is going to bring this about for his people. It says um, they're bubbling with joy as they walk in procession and they enter the royal palace. Your sons will carry on the dynasty of your ancestors. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will proclaim your greatness. Through the coming years. Then the nations will praise you forever. So I wanted to play this song that we played at our house yesterday. And let you hear this. And and I want you to listen to the words. Because Stephen unfortunately couldn't be with us today. Because his family is dealing with a lot of sickness. and, And I want you to pray for them. But they just really been battling through some stuff this week it's been a tough week for them and just hold them up in your prayers and and uh, keep them before the Lord but I want you to hear this song in light of where we're at and in light of what's been said this morning
ravished by the sight of one glance from me. I am the rose, the joy for which you died, and this I know. I move you with delight, and when my heart condemns on every side, I take refuge in the truth. I am the
so far and so wide, but um, I experienced the river of life. First, I, I experienced releasing parts of my life into the river to just let them go and let them flow down. Things that were corrupted that I'd held on to, justifying them, and I let them go. And they floated away. There was a temptation through the challenges of my health to let my life go over these many days <laughs> to stand in the river and just let it go. And I sought to discern what river in which I stood. So the Lord started this vision with me as I said, I counterfeit river of life that the demonic uses. won't go into that, but he showed me this was not the river that I had been standing in. But it was a choice to, cho to choose life and life abundantly. And so I wandered today into the depth. So it was over my head, way, way, over my head and I breathed the water because as the water was being drawn into my body it would either sustain what was of God or I couldn't breathe it and I wouldn't go on and so I breathed the water I embraced it it came into my body the water of the river of life and as I breathed the water in, the level came down. And it came down and my head was exposed and my shoulders and so forth all the way down. And then I had the river of life inside of me. The river wasn't gone. My perception of the river had changed. And so I was changed and I reviewed my life with the Lord before Him, wondering how, how will my hands effect change? How will my feet stand and walk and run? My joints, my muscles, my heart. How will my eyes see? How will the river go out? And what will it draw back? and my ears. How will I hear the song of heaven, the sound of your voice? How will I know discernment with this river inside me? How will I speak my lips? How will my tongue, my tongue, the point of my tongue was a specific thing and it the question was how will it put the point to truth how will I, my lungs breathe in the atmosphere of heaven in this place anyway it was um 
went on and on like that. I remember my skin, somehow all of me absorbed this river, but my skin was a barrier still, and it would keep out what wasn't of him and allow in what is. And so I'm, you know, looking forward to, as I ask these things, there was revelation and response that I can't put to words. But um, I know that moving forward in this place, in this revelation, being the river of life living in me, is going to be rich. And my concerns are gone. I let them go. I let them float away in the river. That was what happened first before all the rest. I let it all go. And it just floated away. And as I did that, I, I felt the river at my back and it was pulling that stuff out. I, hell, I remember holding part of it up thinking that I thought it was godly and it was death. It was dead. It was rotting. And I put it down in the water and I let it go. How would I, how would my mind know the truth, the mind of Christ? I expect more revelation. This is a real exciting for me to hear Tom for you to say this because the word had given me Revelation 22. Um, Eden restored. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. And of the Lamb. Down in the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Bearing twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more light. There will not need to be the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. Listen to this. And they will reign forever and ever. Now what is fascinating to me about this. Because this was given to me over the weekend. You know how the Lord's been speaking to us about the four dimensions and going into the fifth, but the fifth has no time. And that it's a dimension of light. And I had asked him this last week. I was like, 
what are you saying to me? And he says, look at it in Genesis and the end of Revelation. And you will see the beginning and the end, for I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the author and the finisher. You will comprehend in this place, and we will comprehend in this place, in God's city, both what is the beginning of how he created the earth and what is the end. And outside of that folds up time and time sits outside of that because he is the beginning and the end. And. Listen to this, this is so wonderful to have the word of God confirmed. Thank you for experiencing God and for all of you, you may have other experiences, but when God in Genesis 2, now in Revelation 22, right, he began the creation of man and, and woman and he told us, come here to Eden land and I will restore, right? I mean, you can see this maybe, you probably can't see this. But it says, Eden restored. Revelation chapter 22, the river of life. But the Lord had told me, I'm going to restore uh, the family. I'm going to restore the nations of the earth. I'm going to restore my people. I'm going to restore you. And he said, but you must step outside of time So I must reveal to you both the beginning of where I started and I must reveal to you the very ending of where this is headed because I dwell outside of that. God in the fifth, in the multi-dimensions that he dwells in, that he dwells outside of dimensional space. He declares the what? The end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, he declares it both. He makes a declaration of full restoration for man. Um, you know, it, it was uh, September 2003 when I met the Holy Spirit in that dream. And I've told you all about that and about being in the little white church, the white clad church. And I was putting the lid down on those white boxes and the place was immaculate. And I remember, you know, it was a dream and I looked out the window and there as many of you know that story, there came that 10 foot tall man walking around the, down that hedgerow of trees and I was struck with terror. And he comes around and there was, we were a little church and I wasn't pastor and I was flying air to air intercepts for the Air Force, uh, preparing to go up over the Gulf of Mexico to, uh, you know, I'd just come out of my land navigation and doing radar nav for putting targets on. Uh, our whole thing was to pop up to 35,000 feet, descend like straight down, get 500 foot off the deck and go on this path and then put a bomb on target. And I'd had to learn air, air to ground navigation. And then when I was going, I was in completing the air to air syllabus because the aircraft I was going into did both ground warfare and air to air work. And I was in that and I had this dream, you know, and I'm not a pastor. Didn't want to be one. I'd been with my dad all those years. Not saying bad about my dad, but I saw what he went through and I said, I am not doing that. Because the ministry is, whoo, <laughs> that's, that's, 
there's a lot of other things you could do, you know, that you might could get along with. And I didn't want to do that. But in this little dream, I was the pastor and I went out to defend our people. And I go out and, of course, you know that story maybe. And there's this man with his waist is about that wide and he's ripped out of the seams. And I hit him as hard as I could. And I remember I had to look him in the eyes because dad said, look a man in the eyes when he talked to him. And I look up and there's those fiery eyes with diamonds in his eyes with love just pouring out of his eyes. And he says, I'm the Holy Spirit. Go forth and show my love and tacoon alone. And the dream's out. Now, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know what that was. I, now I know that was a calling. That was 17 years ago. And I find out this word tikkun olam means restore or the restoration of all things. And so I'm excited this morning. I'm excited because we found ground. We found ground in Eden land where the river of life from the throne of God can come and God can dwell among men and restore. And he... he, you know, showed me this and he, he's like, you, you must know the beginning and the very end. You must see the river of life in the revelation, but you must understand what was happening in the Genesis of man. And listen to what it says in Genesis chapter two, verse eight. The Lord God planted an orchard in the east in Eden. The Lord God planted an orchard in the east in Eden land. And there he placed the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow from the soil. And every tree that was pleasing to look at. And, and good for food. Now the tree of life was in the, and the tree was there of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Notice with me that the appearance of Eden looks similar to what? Revelation chapter 22. I mean, hey, this is new to me. I, I should have known this, but I didn't. I mean, maybe all y'all know I'm, I'm the ignorant preacher. You know, but I, I didn't know that the connection of Revelation 22 until this last week and Genesis chapter 2. I didn't know that the word was folding up time uh, and was setting us into a dimension of light and that he was going to restore man out from the other dimension and come down into our space and begin this great restorative work from the very throne of God. And that he would fill us with the river of the water of life and cause our very being to do what Paul talked about, to live and move and have our being in God. That we could flow with life in us, real life, no more death, no more curse. That we could be completely liberated from the fall. I mean, can you think of something more glorious than sin not reigning in your mortal body anymore and not having dominion over your mind and over your heart and finally you're completely liberated. I mean, this is the great and terrible day of the Lord. This great day that's coming forth. And, and listen to this. Now a river flows from Eden 
to water the orchard. And there were from there it divides into four head streams. And I'd see, sent this to Pete Lineker this last week or so. And he said, yeah, I was thinking about Eden and the, and the four, the four rivers, the head streams. The name of the first is Pishon. Now, I started the etymology on these words because I haven't really studied this very well yet. And I will. I'll do my homework. But I would say do your homework as well. If y'all know what these words mean, just holler them out. Because I don't know what Pishon means uh, in the Hebrew. Or Pishon. Um, It runs through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is pure. The pearls and the lapis lucii are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it runs through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. The word God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden. To care for it and to maintain it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the orchard, but you may not, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. I believe personally there's a generation that will not see death. I believe personally that we're coming upon a time. Possibly our generation, I hope it, I hope that's what it is because this house is a task with pioneering for a glorified body, which means there cannot be death. That there is a people that will eat, so eat from the tree of life that they won't, and they will deny the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the place that it is had in this world, and will say enough with it. And they will say, I will not even, I will not eat from that tree anymore. And they will partake of the tree of life. It will so go into our very own being. Like this experience that you're having in water, living water, like Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. I'll give you water and you will never thirst again. I'll fill you so full of overflowing you'll never have a need for anything else. I'll give you my very own life source. I will fill you with the very knowledge of, of, of my very own nature. I will uh, restore you back with love and life and light. You will need nothing else because you will have me. Jesus' blood purchased this on Calvary for us to walk in this dimension of faith and the dimension of light. That we could have... We could eat freely, freely, freely from the tree of life. And there would be no more disconnect with God. No more, no more trying to press in. No more trying to, man, we gotta press in to get into an anointing. No more trying to push our way in to find the space get clear, but it's just cleaned off for us. Life is flowing. No more death. No more curse. So much so that the human being will put on a glorified body like what happened to Enoch and Elijah and the Lord who paid for this and purchased this are very transcendent. The Lord said it's not good for man to be alone and he said I made for him a companion. 
looking for a companion. And uh, I looked this word up, a help me. Because Kara said, you should look that word up. Because that's who I am, you know. And I saw, I looked it up and it's really interesting because in the Hebrew, it means the very opposite of you. (laughs) I said, that is exactly right. The very complete opposite, but one who is complimentary to you. I gave you one to compliment, not to contradict. Because a lot of us have perceived it as a contradiction to ourselves instead of receiving the complementarian way and the nature of what God did when he made man and woman. And what he did when he formed both male and female, that God would bring us somehow together and bring a complementariness to us. That we would have completely two different perspectives. But in somehow in the grace of God, in a different perspective, when we walked in humility, eating from the tree of life, there would be restoration that would happen in our families. That if we could just say, I don't want that other tree anymore, that somehow, as a mystery, Paul said, that male and female would be able to get along, to be at peace with one another, to love and respect one another. There would be this great connection that would happen. And in that place would be the taking of the land. There would be... The guarding of the property of of the garden, but there would also be the cultivation of it. There would be this great blessing through cultivation and a great blessing through seeing how the enemy is trying to work an angle. Because he says to Adam, guard it. That's a prophetic priestly function and judgment function and cultivate it a kingly function. Now, Holy Spirit started this with me three weeks ago. He said, now, where are you? And then, or four weeks ago in this meeting, he's, I'm going back to Eden. I'm going to Revelation 22. I'm going back to the beginning because I'm going to interact with you out of another dimension in this house. And yes, Lucifer himself, who fell like lightning from heaven, came into the middle of it and tried to deceive a man and did Man and woman deceived them. And um, some of our people here had uh, been experiencing some of that, the enemy. Uh, we've had some witchcraft issues tried to field on, outside, on us, on this ministry. We've had some major things happen. And I heard this my whole life from my dad, you know, John Milton. Paradise lost. The dad would quote from it. But... Paradise regained. And it's like I've been hearing this my whole life. Also been hearing once a man, twice a child. uh, (laughs) Because except you become as a little child, you'll not enter. Except you become humble in a sense that you do not know what you need. But your father takes care of you. You can't enter into this reality. Once a man, twice a child. That we would understand the Lord shared this with me out of John 13. He said, knowing where he came from and where he was going, he girded himself with a towel and washed his disciples' feet. Why? Jesus knew he was elected and predestined. It said that he was going back to the Father. He knew the end from the beginning, and it was that revelation that caused him to serve. He said he knew he came from God and he was going back to God. 
You see, he had a revelation of what this revelation is that we need. He had a revelation from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And it was out of that revelation that he gave of himself. You and I cannot give of ourselves in the greatest sense of the word until this revelation is instilled inside of us the very beginning and the very end. Once a man, twice a child. Paradise lost, but paradise will be regained here. God will begin to restore us even as the ending of 2020 is upon us and we begin into 2021, this great restoration work of God is afoot in the nations. And, and He ordained that we must be here so that He must begin this prophetic work even in this place. I will restore man back to everything that has been lost because of the fall. Everything that Adam and Eve lost at second, Adam and the bride will regain. Revelation 22, the throne of God will come down among men. The government of God is the very government of God. The kingdom of God is among men. You know, Jesus will say, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at it's within your hands grasp. You can access the kingdom right here. In this place, in another place, you can access the kingdom at any moment by faith. You know, we are working in this ministry on promise and oath. Because everything must come by promise and an oath. You see the male and the female dimension. You see the connection of the two. You see the beginning of this and you see the very ending of this is the throne of God set among men. At the end of excuse me, Genesis 2, it says the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. This means that they were fully exposed. Remember when Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman, he says, I'll give you this water. You'll never thirst again. And then she runs back into the town. And what does she say? Stephen, he's blessed me so much, said this to me five years ago. He said, come and see the man that told me everything I ever did wrong. I mean, who does that? I mean, who says, hey, come see the guy that told me everything I ever did wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's not just, but Stephen, like a revelation came to him. You know, when we were in ministry, no one wants everybody to come and see someone who told them all their dirt. He I mean, he said everything I ever did wrong. Can you imagine what graciousness this king must be for you to be fully exposed as she was and said, I'm fully exposed, but I'm good. It's okay. I'm a Samaritan woman. I'm, they literally go out of their way not to come through here to see me. Hey, everybody, I've been with all these different men. I've done things I shouldn't have done my whole life. Come and see him. He just exposed me. Most people, when it comes to sin, does not want your stuff to be seen. Just think about it. The thing you said or the thing you looked at or the thing you did that you don't want anybody to ever know about. Come and see the man that fully exposed me. He's changed me. I don't care if I'm clean. 
the man and his wife were fully bare. With no shame anymore. They weren't trying to hide anything. They weren't, you know, most of my life personally, I've dealt with a lot of social anxiety. I mean, a lot. Like, I don't want to be around people and stuff. I've, like, wanted to be alone. I mean, most of my life has been that way. That's what was actually taking me into a jet cockpit because I could fly with one other man and we could just go and defend our country by blowing up people. You know, I was a weapons officer and I was going to drop ordnance. That was my job. That seemed to be, be the way to live life. Didn't want to be exposed. Didn't want to be seen. Just wanted to be at 30,000 feet, come in, do what I had to do, go back home, be everybody pat you on the backs. Thank you for defending our country. Get a bunch of medals and ribbons and awards and rank and everything and Go out into eternity. I don't know how that would have looked. Thinking the whole time you're a hero when really, probably not. You know, we're trying to cover everything up. And then the Lord places, I don't know, you know how, you know how it feels when you start to get exposed. But man, what happens when you begin to get exposed and you're all, you're just okay. And someone says, you know, I'm telling you this person, you know, you know what's great about being a saint is someone's looking at you and they know your sin. They know the things that you've done, ever all this stuff, and you're just giving glory to God. That's a beautiful picture. That's, it's caused me to love the saints of God because I realize that none of us have done right. I mean, none of us have. We've all went astray. Everybody has and forsook the Lord. Everybody did. And the Lord said, it's okay, you can be exposed and... You can be exposed and feel love and you can experience my love. They were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Next thing you know, the fall, right? Genesis 3. And here comes the deception, in, you know, in the garden. Um, now, I can't prove this. And this is I went through this encounter with the Lord two weeks ago, and I can't prove this. But in Milton's poem about Paradise Lost, they say that Lucifer had a crown. And in his crown was an emerald. And when Michael knocks him, it says this emerald fell down to the ground. And they say that when Lucifer was falling out of the heavens, that his wings molted and he became a grotesque looking beast. But he was absolutely beautiful before that. But when he was knocked out of the heavens by the Lord... Because I believe personally, and this is in the Bible, that Lucifer was a covering cherub. That means that Lucifer was over the top of the throne. That means everything that was happening in the Godhead, he was listening to it. He was right there to listen to and to hear everything that was going on. And that when God started speaking to the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they started to talk and commune together in love about, we would like to have a bigger family. That Lucifer's ears kind of perked up. What'd you say? And it, and then he says, and we're going to give this man and, and create this woman in our own image, a male and a female. And he's listening from the top of the throne. And remember, in the throne room, it's in emerald color. 
but it's a rainbow, but it's of emerald appearance. And so he's up there and he's listening in and he's like, like you really. And he said, yeah. And he said, well, on our chest is 12 stones. And I don't know if you know this, but in speaking of Tyre, it speaks of Lucifer and it says he has nine stones. And I think he was like, they're going to get 12 and I only got nine. But I'm the most glorious being you've ever created. So much so that I get to listen in. You ever had someone keep something from you, information, and it it makes you feel bad because you feel like you weren't on the inside of something? Lucifer was getting to hear everything God was talking about. And sometimes information can be really not something you want to hear. Sometimes you get to hear things that you didn't maybe want to hear. You get in, I've heard people say this about the church. They got into church leadership and they heard, they call it the politics. <laughs> it's like, it is, I didn't really want to hear that. That was stuff I didn't know that happened in the church. Well, think about being over the top of the Godhead and hearing everything that he's talking about. Perfectly in love with one another, the Trinity. Looking at one another in perfect unity and love. And they say, we want to make a man and a woman. And we're going to put on their chest... Both male and female, 12 stones for the 12 tribes. And Lucifer's looking down. He says, I only have nine. And you know what? I think the first sin that happened in his heart was this. That is not fair. That's not fair. You may, you're making a being that's more superior than I am. And you can understand that that made him feel envy. It's interesting how green is colored with, you know, tied to envy and jealousy, right? And so what happens? God creates man, places him in a man works to finish a place. But God told me God places man in a finished work. And what does he do? Satan, Lucifer feels that and he drops out of the heavens because the Lord throws him out because of his envy. Because he's jealous because God made a being that was like himself that was superior to that angel who was the most superior angel in the heavens and iniquity was found in his heart, his own private worship center. And he wanted something that could not be his, that God in and ordained for him. He put it in Brian and Brenda Weatherman. He put 12 stones on him and 12 stones on her. He put it in you and me and he made this glorious being called man and woman. And Lucifer saw it and he says, I will have to deceive them into not trusting him because they will not have something better than me. And he has fought us tooth and nail for everything that we have. Right? He's fought your family. He's fought your children. He fought your grandparents. He fought your mom and daddy. He fought everybody because he knows that if Anybody ever gets restored. Oh, he's got his days are numbered. If a people really get a hold of connecting with father who is in light, if they really get a hold of it, it's over for him because they finally believe that he is good, that his mercy endures forever. They finally got a hold of it, male and female together. And they said, we're done with this, man. We're done with the curse. We're done with the lie. We're done with the two-party system. (laughs) 
Now, when that came out of my mouth, uh, he's a sovereign king, you know, that, oh, wait, he's an absolute monarch. Wait a minute, he's the absolutist of the absolutist monarch. He's not into the two-party system at all. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Man being convinced to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. and we're, He's not into the whole thing at all. That's some kind of servitude and thing that was given to man by the enemy himself to trick us and deceive us. And God is an absolute monarch who has the right to govern and rule. And so we begin to pledge loyalty to this God man, Jesus. But we can't do anything about it. We can't help ourselves. But what we can do is say yes when he moves on our heart and he restores us, right? So we can have the water of life. We can have full freedom. And Jesus has made this freedom for all of us. We can have this now. This is the beginning of the restoration of all things. Eden restored. Eden fully restored. Well, let me say this and I'll close this morning and we'll, we'll take communion together. Those four rivers... I asked the Lord about him. He says, that's the four dimensions that you've been talking about. And I said, really? He said, it's also, and you'll study it, you'll see this. He said, it's the four major virtues. And I was like, I'm going to teach this to the kids. So I'm going to give you something here. If you take notes, take notes on this. But these four rivers are, they involve four aspects of our restoration. Number one. You will be restored prophetically. This means out of your relationship with the Lord, you will be able to perceive what God is saying to you prophetically from the word. You will be restored to understand and have his mind. Hey, Manny, what is the virtue that goes with the prophetic? Which virtue is it? Prudence. Thank you. Was that you? Who said that? You did? Susanna said prudence. Good. Prudence. So with the prophetic comes prudence. And if you study prudence and the prophetic, they'll go hand in hand. And then the Lord said, I will restore you priestly. I will restore the office of priest to you. Priestliness is this ability to guard and to see that goes with the prophetic, but it's also this deep humility and in, inside the human soul. And what goes with priestliness, kids? Do y'all remember? Thank you, Manny. Temperance. And with the priestliness goes temperance. And then the Lord said, now I will also restore you with judgment. You will be able to make right judgment. So now we have prophet, priest, and judge. What goes with judgment? Justice. It's the ability to discern and have wisdom to make decisions related to justice. And so he, he puts these three together. Prophet, priest, and judge. 
And he says, the fourth one I will restore to you is what? King. And what goes with king, Manny? What? Courage. And so God restores us in prudence, in temperance. What's the third one? Justice and courage. And these are the four rivers of God. And these are the cardinal virtues of men. And every problem that we have generally had is related to one of those four issues. Every problem that we've dealt with, every sin-related issue is usually related to prudence. I didn't think ahead and make a good decision pertaining to things future, the prophetic. Priestliness, I didn't hold my tongue or temperance and wait and discern whether or not this was the correct action or not to make judgment, justice. I acted in a wrong way too quickly or too late. I didn't make a good judgment on a decision or I didn't have the courage to take risk, kingliness. So the Lord said this to me. He said, I, I, I will give you a sword. These are really good notes if you take them, but you can listen to it. But I will give you a sword for the prophet. I will give you a staff for the priest. I will give you a scepter for the judge. And I will crown you as a king. And when I lay this restoration in place, you will begin to perceive the fifth dimension. Because I will restore you at the four river heads that flows from the very throne of God. And this is what is our privilege. This is what the blood has paid for for you and for our families. And this is what we can have from the Lord. Jesus purchased this on Calvary for us. And that is called, listen to this, a quaternity. And if you go in and just study philosophy, psychology, I, the Lord took me into all these different fields of science and he showed me these were all given at the cross. Prophet, priest, judge, and king. That Jesus paid it by way of the cross and that we would receive these four dimensional places and many people, and I had taught this, there were three aspects until the word opened my eyes up into all four. That prophet, priest, judge, prophet, priest, judge, and king. At the cross, God paid for it all for the restoration of those four components for man and woman. All right, let's all stand. Lord for full restoration I think there's been this thing and I and, and don't get me wrong I believe in impartation I, I believe in impartation by the laying on of hands but I got to tell you something I got to be real with you this is something you have to partner with the Lord with no man can give this to you, but Jesus paid his price for, for this for all of us. I can't. This is something that this is something that. Like you could look at someone else and say, how do they have those things? It's, and I want that. I want it. And I would say that for all of us, we should desire this with all of our heart. We, we really we really should. We should desire full restoration. 
But what I can't do for you and what you can't do for me, except to encourage one another, I can't tell you how to move in faith. I can't tell you, I can't be Holy Spirit. I don't have that ability. All I can do as a pastor or a preacher or whatever you call me, call me Carol. All I could do is say, this is the vision of God based in scripture. And this is what he has made for us. And that you can have full restoration. That we're not saying here that God paid for part of our sin. We're saying that Jesus paid the price for everything. For life and godliness. And you can have all in Christ. You can have this all. Now we would say that based off the testimony of scripture. But that you would have a desire... And that I would have a desire, and my family would have a desire, and our families would have this desire to say, Lord, fully restore us. I knew you've been holding on to a word. The word is telling me he's got a word, but... Ah. Man, thank you, Lord. I feel like that this is like one of the greatest things that could ever happen has come upon us. The Lord has come to us and let us know that this is the beginning of the end. This is the, this is the day... You know, the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, but that our families can have full wholeness forever. And there's nothing that can stop this. If we come into a hundredfold obedience to the Lord, listen, please hear me, whatever the Holy Spirit says to do, do it. Whatever He says to do, do it. Trust Him. Trust Him with your whole entire Self and seek him with your whole entire heart, for you shall have everything that Christ has provisioned for you and your families. This is this is the great hour of man. And don't give too much attention to our enemy. Don't give him attention because yes, he come into the garden, and yeah, he's trying to stir up problems, and yeah, he's trying to confuse people, and yeah, he tries to get and mess with us. Yeah, he did that. He did that to our parents, Adam and Eve. But yeah, he doesn't have to have rights over us anymore. And yes, we can trust the Holy Spirit and follow him. Well, let's uh, come forward and have communion together. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you as you go out.